officially the first month of Major League Baseball. What have the Phillies done so far, and what the what we can expect from them for the rest of the year? The Philadelphia Eagles 2021 draft is in the books, and we got a lot of talent and a lot of players to discuss. How this draft compares to the rest and Howard Roseman's tenure. And the Philadelphia Flyers, well, they've been doing Philadelphia Flyer things. At least they beat the Penguins, though, so that's solid. Welcome to episode 5 of It's Always Sunny in South Philadelphia. I am your host, Riley Rich, and today we are getting into, um, I mean, not really that much stuff, but a good a good amount of it. You have the draft, you have the Phillies month. You have minor league baseball coming back today. We'll talk about that, too, during the baseball segment, so don't you worry. Uh, Again, just a little bit of house cleaning here. Make sure to follow and subscribe to wherever you're watching, whether that be Google Podcasts, Spotify, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, or Breaker, or, of course, Anchor. And don't be afraid to go to IASSP.Weebly.com, where you can access all all those different platforms and leave a comment. Well, that could be featured on a future episode, and as well, speaking of future episodes, a schedule for the next three. So, episode five will begin like we usually do here on IASSP with baseball. Let's go to the Phillies. Are you a baseball fan that wants to feel the real ups and downs of a month? Well, they looked no further than the Philadelphia Phillies. We'll give you starting quality starting pitching from the top of our rotation, then blow it the next night with either six runs in one inning, or we can exchange that for three runs in a tenth of an inning. I mean, those aren't like two specific games. I just know those off the top of my head from being a Philadelphia Phillies fan. Uh, 25 seconds of a quality advertisement. Wink. Uh... Uh, the Phillies went 14-15 in the month of April. They're tied for second in the division with the New York Mets. God, I hate the Mets. Uh, half game back from the Nationals. First, you get COVID, and then you get the division. Uh, when pitching has been good, the team has been good. Again, Wheeler Noah, when the bullpen has been solid, you got quality games, and you got mostly wins. Um, as for As for the offensive side, McCutcheon has been really, really struggling. Harper's doing okay. I mean, he's got the batting average up. He's getting base hits. Arimuto's doing pretty well. Alec Bohm's doing okay. Nick Maton. What a debut. What a first week for Nick Maton. Gene Segura was one of the highest batting averages in the MLB. And Reese Hoskins, aside from the major league leading home runs, I mean, that's pretty solid. He's always been doing well in April. But just another example of that. And um, the best example of the Philadelphia Phillies has been this past week. Or basically what I mean by past example is something that we can look for in the future. Like this team is probably, I'm not expecting playoffs with the team. I'm expecting an 80-82 and record, if we're being honest here. Or something close, unless you can beat the Braves on next weekend. Let's see. But... Let's get into this past week. All right, you have a three-game series uh, in St. Louis. Then you have uh, you get to fly back home on draft day or for the NFL. And then you have a weekend series against the Mets. So 
let's get into it. Uh, first game of the week, uh, the 26th, got a win 2-1 to one, thanks to Zach Wheeler's 8-plus innings. And when we get a pitching... When you when you get a starting pitching job like that, you're gonna get far, and that's why he got the win. Uh, the twenty seventh next day, you got a five two loss. Doubles killed the pitching rotation, and the Phillies were crawling back in the game. But Tommy Edmond, with his double in the seventh, really put the game away for the Cardinals. Well, uh, more mentally and emotionally than actually out of reach. Uh, April twenty eighth, the next day against St. Louis, he got a five to three win. That was the day which Harper got hit in the face, and then the next batter got hit. Thanks, Genesis Carrera. And then McCutcheon, I mean, the one good hit he, one good hit he had this week, uh, base hit, scored two runs. So, I mean, station to station. I can't tell you guys much more. Like I said, 29th, you got, a, you got an off day. And then next three days, you had the Mets. You got a 2-1 to one win. Uh, Chase Anderson on the mound, he didn't really go far, but the real story of this game was uh, bullpen, throwing scoreless innings, four scoreless innings, uh, JoJo Romero, Brandon Kinsler, Jose Alvarado, and Sam Coonrod getting the save. We'll talk about Coonrod once I'm done with this segment because I want to focus on him a bit more. And then you had first day of May, 5-4 loss. That was the uh, game which was tied in the eighth and then Hector Neris gave up that home run to Conforto. Really? Another low ball to left-handed hitter. I mean, I'm not a major league pitcher. I should, I mean, I shouldn't really be talking here, but like really a pitch down to a left-handed hitter, you know, can turn on that pitch. I mean, you just expect a bit more. And then May 2nd, a day that will go down to me for Philadelphia. 8-7 loss. Okay, so uh, where do we begin with this game? I'm not even going to talk about the first few innings, honestly. I just feel like it's not worth it. Basically, long story short, Philly's got a 4-2 lead. DJ Gregorius with a home run. And I'm blanking on who else got the home run. I, I'm i not going to throw a guess out there. Um, a 6-run eighth for the Mets. That's how they got in the game, 8-4. Jose Alvarado, you should see, like, the highlights, like Alvarado is like throwing at people's necks and then throwing right down the dirt. I mean, that's exactly what you don't want from your relievers. And then, I mean, you got a little bit of Varel. You got a Roman Quinn. He got on base. Woohoo. We're getting on base now. Scoring runs. And then look at that. Another base hit. We're rock. We're ready to go. We got Reese Hoskins up. Oh my God. He had a ball to right field. That's going really well. It's going deep. And it's gone. We tied the game. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, Citizens Bank Park coming back to bite the home team here. Hit off the railing, not the first row of seating. So if you're new to like like the ballpark rules, that is that is not a home run. That's off the wall. So Hoskins was rewarded was rewarded a two run double, a very very bad consolation prize. Reese Hoskins was upset, and then Bryce Harper struck out, and we lost eight to seven. So we're just not, I mean, I did say this game would go down in infamy, but for, like, all the wrong reasons, we're not going to talk about that game again. Let's go into a much better May 3rd. Voice crack, my bad. Uh, where they started a series against the Brewers. Uh, Vinny V throwing th- six scoreless innings, or er, s- six solid innings. 
Uh, Connor Brogdon a bit shaky, kind of like that giant series that I was talking about. But Naris and Coonrod held up, and they got the win. You got the Brewers for the next few games. And then going on to Atlanta for Mother's Day weekend. Uh, that will certainly be a series to watch. Aaron Nola on the mound tonight against Milwaukee. I believe Eric Lauer will be on the mound for the Brewers today, May the 4th. Now, I did say I wanted to talk about Sam Coonrod. It's kind of interesting. I I mean, these are just my initial thoughts. Um, This Sam Coonrod has been playing everywhere. You, I've seen him more of a seventh inning guy, but you've seen him come in the eighth inning if like Alvarado or Archie Bradley's been injured right lately. But if they use one of those guys in the seventh, Coonrod will be using the eighth. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with how we got Coonrod, he was in a trade with the Giants this offseason. I mean, he throws solid heat. He has good stuff. He has good velocity. I mean, he got a save. He's a closer, but he's not like the most well-known pitcher in the world. So. I mean, Sam Coonrod, with his versatility, gives Joe Girardi a lot of options, and he might be, I'm going to say this right now, in April, with this versatility, he's one of the most valuable, if not the most valuable pitcher in this on this Phillies team. Now, with all this negativity in Philadelphia, I mean, I know I've been talking about like negativities for the Phillies. Oh, you got to show me something. But uh, for the first time this year, we get to look away from that for a bit. Because starting today, May the 4th, you got minor league baseball. Let's go. <laughs> Sorry for the underreaction there. I would have done a bit more. Uh, so, as you guys are familiar with, or may not, I don't know, um, minor league baseball contracted this year down to 120 teams. Uh, you're going to say goodbye to Williamsport. So, crosscutters. I mean, nice little summer home, but, I mean, for a full-season team, you have some much better options. It's unfortunate to see a team like that go, but, I mean, it's unfortunate. So you have AAA, Lehigh Valley, the Iron Pigs. I mean, AA, the Red and Fighting Phils. Uh, Class Advance, you previously knew them as Lakewood. They are now going by the Jersey Shore Blue Claws. And Class A, which is going to be that Florida State League, you got the Clearwater Threshers. So we'll start from the top here. We'll start from the top. Uh, Lehigh Valley, they will be playing the Rochester Red Wings this week. I mean, if you're not familiar, again, because of COVID, Tuesday through Sunday series is, and Monday is a league-wide day off. So they'll be playing the Red Wings, who uh, have switched from a Twins team to a Nationals team. Let's go beat the Nationals. And from a glance at the roster, I mean, the one thing that's probably going to be carrying this team for that first month is that starting rotation. You have guys like Spencer Howard, Enyo De Los Santos, and the ace for tonight, or the ace so far, the opening day starter, Adonis Medina. He pitched one of the tax squad games, the one that I went to. Did pretty solid. Uh, double A, running fighting fills. They will be taking on the Erie Seawolves, who are still who are still sticking with the Detroit Tigers. Uh, Running kind of has an underwhelming roster. Uh, their top prospect, or one of the, like, the, like, the best top prospects they have, is catcher Rodolfo Duran. Um, I mean, we'll talk about, I mean, I think this is more of like going to be where Bryson Stott ends up, who I'll be talking about next with this next team, Jersey Shore Blue Claws. But I'm not expecting big things from them this year, especially with like, 
the double A talents with some of these other teams. So if running can get like guys like Bryce and Stott up quick, then maybe that'll be something to focus on. Maybe they'll be good. But I think for right now, just got to focus on Rodolfo Duran. A class A advanced. You got the Jersey Shore Blue Claws. They'll be taking on the Hudson Valley Renegades, switching from the short season team of the Rays to the full-time New York Yankees team. And uh, Bryson Stotts, the only thing you really need to know about this roster. Bryson Stotts here. We'll see how long he lasts. We'll probably go into double A. I predict by mid-July. We'll see. See how well he does. That's probably uh, the most important thing that um, the minor league development coaches are looking on right now. Just how well he performs in class advanced. Bryson Stott did play in the alternate site for a bit. So we'll see how well he does. And then... Class A Clearwater, they'll be taking on the Lakeland Flying Tigers, yet another Tigers team. And uh, for Clearwater, this is probably the most stacked roster we've seen so far, uh, mostly because of guys like Micah Bell or Abel, uh, the first-round pick last year, and Casey Martin, the two like top draft picks are on this roster, as well as shortstop Luis Garcia and outfield Johan Rojas. So they have a good quality like roster, and obviously we'll keep an eye out for these teams too, probably just a short segment as we're doing now. So I mean, we're always cheering for the Phillies developed teams, so we'll see how they do. Well, one of the craziest weekends in football has come and gone. You have the NFL Draft, and honestly, for the first time in a while, we do not have to scream, fire Howie. At least I'm not. Well, again, at least for this week, we'll see. But uh, the Eagles did very, very solid in the draft. I really like the outcome, even though it went 0 for 11, or really, they picked 9. I I did not get any hits on the board. So let's go through who they actually picked. Uh, so they traded up with the they traded up with the Cowboys. You the Cowboys uh, gave up a third next year, which honestly worked out in the end. And they got the guy that they wanted, Devontae Smith. I mean, Jalen Waddle went seventh, uh, or no, yeah, Jalen Waddle went sixth. Jamar Chase went fifth. I mean, the bank, Joe Burrow's going to die, but Devontae Smith was there. We don't we didn't want him in a Giants uniform, and the Cowboys definitely weren't going to take him. And they weren't going to take Sertain because he went to the Broncos. So it was a perfect trade. I mean, the only bad thing is like we're, we're fierce rivals. But we got over it. We made a trade. And we got the guy that we wanted. A++. I mean, Heisman talent, physicality, speed, great mix. I love Devontae Smith, and I love this pick. Uh, and then in the second round, they uh, double-dipped. On Alabama, back-to-back Alabama picks with Landon Dickerson. And I thought about this, and I was kind of mad that they didn't get Jeremiah Wosu-Koromoa or Jackson Carmen, as I predicted. But it makes a bit of sense. Um, Landon Dickerson, at least for Carmen's sake, they did draft Andre Dillard in the first round in 2019. So it makes sense that if they went line, they would go guard here and Landon Dickerson. Is the best one available from Alabama. So, I mean, a solid pick there. And you have Williams in the third round. 
I believe Milton Williams from Louisiana Tech. Um, everything I've seen is that he's an athletic beast. He's a bit undersized. Better prove that. I mean, I don't. I this this is the first time I'm hearing his name, so I mean, I can't really judge him. Uh, in the fourth round, he got corner Zach McPherson. I mean, the weirdest way you could spell Zach a uh, Z E C H. I believe. I'm not gonna judge. Uh, Penn uh, transferred from Penn State. He is quality in coverage. Everything that I've seen is like, oh, Zach McPherson's fourth in coverage behind the one that I found was Caleb Farley, uh, Stingley from LSU, and Pat Sertain. It's quality in coverage. I think just like whether like slot or outside, I think he had some troubles on the out, uh, one of those two. So we'll see how that proves out. We'll see how that goes. But I'm sure like they'll, uh, I'm sure they'll handle it, hammer it out. Uh, Kenneth Gainwell, a running back. He's a nice compliment to Sailor, or Sanders, pass catcher. I mean, Kenneth Gainwell, one of the better picks. Uh, let's see if I can pronounce this correctly. Tuipolo. Oh, I forgot one. Tuipoloto. Dang, I was really hoping to get that first try. But whatever. I got it uh, eventually. Rotating in... Inner D lineman, a guy for Fletcher Cox to mentor, uh, another one. Not as freaky athletically as Milton Williams, but we'll take it. Another inner D lineman. Uh, Taron Jackson, I mean, Edge was a need, and he was there. Uh, Jacoby Stevens from LSU, he's a linebacker safety hybrid. And he's from LSU. I love this pick. He's had some really nice highlights. I love this pick. And then Johnson, he's an edge converting to linebacker. I'm just going to say that for the linebacking core, and we'll come back to it uh, during next year's draft. Um, hopefully they pick a linebacker. Uh, but, but, again, I mean, not – I mean, the goods definitely outweigh the bads. This is one of the better draft – Draft classes and Howie Rosen's career were not yelling at him. I mean, the Andre Dillard pick was solid, but like he didn't, like, he wasn't like as highly touted as Devontae Smith. This probably is the best draft class we've seen in a while from Howie Roseman. So uh, let's just see how they do on the field. I'm I'm expecting some big things from this squad, and can we go seven and nine? Maybe it's a good prediction. See you in September, boys. Oh my god, the Philadelphia Flyers. I forgot we had to cover you guys. At least one more week, though. You see, I'm very sad that I have to talk about the Flyers. They went 1-3 this week, and all three of those losses came to New Jersey. Really, the New Jersey Devils. We're losing to them three times. The only thing I can think of is defense. Like, the Devils are game planning better than you. You're not taking them seriously. The young talent is skating circles around you. I honestly can't tell you how how you're getting beat by this team. The only thing I can say objectively is you need to beat the Devils if you want to be good. Good thing you're eliminated from the playoffs. Then you have no expectations. But at the end of the day, we beat Pittsburgh. Giroux showed up. Alex Lyon was the first win. Giroux, along with the rest of the offense, showed up. 
And uh, yeah, one week left. And you got Pittsburgh again tonight. And uh, yeah, that's that's it for the year. Or well, and one more week. That's it for the year. So uh, uh, yeah, one more week of covering you. And uh, this short short segment is what you deserve for this week. Fly or die, you guys chose to die. And that is going to do it for episode number five of It's Always Sunny in South Philadelphia. Um, a lot of baseball, baseball heavy. You got the draft in there too. A lot of good things happening. And then you got the Flyers. Um, but yeah, pretty productive week for Philadelphia all around. And um, yeah, just remember to follow and subscribe to wherever you're watching this podcast, whether it be Google Podcasts, Spotify, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, or Breaker. And no matter how hard things get, no matter how long you've been watching Flyers games, just remember that there will always be a light at the end of the tunnel. And I can't tell you when for the Flyers. I'm the Flyers are so negative this week. I can't over I can't get over it. There's always going to be a light at the end of the tunnel. And it is all because it is always sunny. In South Philadelphia. We'll see you guys next time.